Welcome to Boyfriends Who Banter. I'm Rob. And I'm Jules. And in this episode of Friend of a Friend, we have our special guest. You may know them as a talented entertainer or YouTube's Secretary of Shade. We simply know him as a lyrical genius, DDM. Hi! Hi! What's going on? We are so excited to have you on. We are so good. We're sitting here getting ready to interview you. This is literally like the best part of our day. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, It's been a long day. It's actually storming here in Baltimore. Um, Climate change. (laughs) Um, but but, um i'm doing great i'm happy to be here seriously we're so happy to have you so let's get started with some icebreaker questions so as you know so this is the friend of a friend series this is our fourth episode so you are our fourth referral now and Basically, we interviewed Matt Kai Burmaster, who then referred us to AJ Mattioli, who then referred us to Will Sheridan, who then referred us to you. So how do you know Will? Um, I have known Will for quite some time. Um, uh, for those of you who geography, as far as geography is concerned, don't know, Baltimore is like literally three hours away from New York. Um, Will lives in New York and Brooklyn. And we had did shows together, been on the scene. Um, the Queer Music Network is like this tight little, like, little network of people. And you kind of, like, all get to know each other for the most part, um, especially here on the East Coast. And, um, you know, Will is a sweetheart, um, a giant, literally. Like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> and just a great person. He's actually from Delaware, which is only a 45-minute drive um, from Baltimore. We actually hung out, like, a couple weeks ago. Um, And, yeah, we did a binge watch of Sex Education on Netflix. (laughs) Nice. Um, (laughs) Because I didn't watch the show. He's like, you have to watch this. I'm like, why? (laughs) And I watched it, and I was, like, addicted, you know? That's, That's so awesome. cute. That's awesome. He spoke very highly of you. He was a fantastic interview. The funny thing is, we, we he refers us to you, and we start doing our little research, and we start diving into the world of DDM. And I think to hang out with y'all, y'all have some like requirements that need to be met. And those requirements are, one, y'all have to be like real people. You have to be good looking. You have to be talented. And you can't just be talented in one thing. You have to be talented at like a few things and you have to have an opinion and something to say so i think that pretty much sums up what it takes to hang out with y'all because y'all seem to be the same in that sense and we're just loving it we're loving it well thank you um i'm glad that you think so um at home i'm quite boring it's me and my cat you know i i'm just in a very chill person um you are right in that one must have something to say, which is why I'm single now and I've been single for forever. Because <laughs> if you don't have anything to say or anything, like if you can't stimulate me mentally, it's going to be an uphill battle. Mm. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, that's the yeah. truth. Um, so speaking of, you know, living at home, I wanted to segue to kind of the big world topics that are happening right now and just ask you a few questions. So first of all, COVID-19, quarantine how has experience been for you and also kind of like where are you at now with it for covid because i do a lot of shows i am always at least in my small town i'm pretty known um so i get recognized on the streets and i go out oh i sound like one of those people but um because (laughs) you better better. (laughs) because of that um i didn't have a problem with staying in the house. I love my show. Anybody who knows me knows I am a pop culture enthusiast from reality TV. I done watched every wild show that ever been made. I love my Netflix, my Hulu. Like, so for me, and this is why I get kind of annoyed with Americans, it's so much home entertainment that it really didn't bother me. Now, fast forward to us getting ready to go. We're pretty much going to be in September soon and we're still, you know, in pretty much quarantine state because my country can't get their lives together. I'm starting to miss the interaction of humans. I'm starting to miss like, especially with the music that's been coming out, some of the club bangers, 
Like as soon as the there's some hoes and steers that came out, I was like, bitch, <laughs> the club was open, bitch. Totally, one hundred percent. That came out on a Friday, and I like know. we had this party here back home called Version, um, that um, Tro Nature DJs and Chaotic Couture hosts, and it's like the queer party to go to, and I just was so upset because. I'm like, if we was at version, like, it would be like lit. I bought a bottle of champagne because yeah. it's cheap and just like be ignorant as fuck. And I can't do it. Like, it's so annoying. I know. I know. It's so true. When you hear those like summer bops, you're like, fuck, I just want to go dance. I want to go party. Yeah. Trust me, I feel that. And it's just, you know, I like obviously we're big music people. We love music, but so there's just some songs that you need to be on a dance floor and you need to feel it. It's not just, it's one thing to listen to it. And don't, you know, don't get it wrong. Of course, you know, you can dance around your house. We do all the time. Lord knows I think I can sing and I'm a singer. I'll just walk around the house belting it out. I can't carry a note to save my life. But there are some songs that you need to be on a dance floor to do them justice. And when you hear them, you're just like, why are we in this position right now? Annoyed annoyed oh boy okay so speaking of more annoying things <laughs> some things that might get us frustrated a little heated the first one i wanted to talk about was uh election time uh oh. it's it's coming up for you guys i know that you on your channel secretary of shade on your youtube channel you just talked about it a little bit maybe you can give us a little bit uh an update on what you think about the election right now where you're at what like Give us some information. Um, yeah, like the election, like Secretary Shea, my YouTube channel, that's what actually what it specializes in is politics. So this is right up my alley. Um, first things first, I don't, no matter who wins, um, we're still going to lose as a country because as a country, we are so divided that we have reached the point of no return, I think, in the sense that it's gotten so raw and so rude that even if Biden wins, it's still going to be, it's still going to be a, a, a mess. Um, Biden just announced Kamala Harris um, as his uh, running mate, which um, was met with celebration um, and scrutiny. Criticism, a lot of criticism for sure. Yeah. And I did a whole dissertation on that for YouTube that I'm actually going to put up probably tonight or tomorrow. And I think that her her record has moments in it that you can't really, I can't explain her out of. Right. But what I try to express to folk is no politician is clean. And they say, well, this person, that person, show me a politician who has a perfect record that actually got good legislation put through. It's very true. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Show them Speak to. on it. Speak on it. And um, people get so upset with me about that. Um, and even with like Bernie Sanders, I'm very sensitive about talking about Bernie Sanders because the, the girls, that's just like, it's like, it's the switch that just clicks in people's brains and they just like, like they just turn into like these rabid, raging, Robot dogs, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, I was like, you know, I said, I love Bernie to death. I love everything he represents. But what big legislation did Bernie get through in his whole career? He was sitting there. He a career politician, sis. <laughs> yep. Okay. And while he may have the perfect record, he may have done everything right, so to speak. What bills that he introduced that got through that really significantly changed the position that you're in. Not a one. And I think people forget that there's a game that has to be played. That's human nature. One thing about humans since the beginning of the time, since the Roman Senate, there's always been political theater. Yep. And performative legislation. Where's the lie? Okay. Mm-hmm. And which what, what people fail to realize is this. Non-Hispanic whites are 64% of the U.S. population. Black people, non-Hispanic blacks are 13.4%. Hispanics are now about 15%. Mm-hmm. 
do you think with those ratios that somebody like Bernie Sanders and Alexandra Cortez Ocasio are going to win on a national ticket? It is the sad, it's the harsh reality, right? That a lot of people aren't willing to face when it comes to the, when you look at the numbers, it's true. You know, so the girls always gag when I say that. It's always the thing, you know, like, it's always this thing, right? And you can fight for change, I get it. But like I said, I said this in one of my meetings, Joe Biden is not a change America president. Joe Biden is a stop the bleeding presidential candidate. Ooh, yeah, that's a that's a great Ooh. that's a great statement to make. Wasn't ready for that one. Was not ready <laughs> for that one. You know, he he is the oldest I think presidential um, Democratic nominee ever. Like the oldest, mm-hmm. he's what seventy seven. Okay, Kamala's about twenty years younger than him. Right, he's at the autumn of his life. Mm-hmm. And at the autumn of his life, Democrats, voters chose to resurrect his dying campaign and bore him back because he was getting ready to shut his curtains and close the door. Mm-hmm. But here's what happened. Black people in America know that based on that 64% of non-Hispanic whites, you need a candidate that can sway. Now, the, the far right, you ain't going to get down, no matter what you do. Never. But those middle-of-the-road uh, voters, those on-the-fence voters, those I'm liberal but kind of, like, not voters, you need a candidate that they can look at and be like, oh, I feel comfortable with him. He'll right. be fine. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Kamala gets, you know, her um gets picked as VP, which was no surprise. It's still risky because she's no Obama. And once again, she's a minority in several ways. She's a woman. She's a woman of color. Her mother is Indian, of Indian descent. Her father is Jamaican. But she has a quality, and this is what people don't want to really talk about. They want to dance around this. Kamala Harris has a look, a physical look, an aesthetic that makes white folks in middle America feel comfortable. He could have picked Val Demings, but quite frankly, she's too dark. Right. That's he could have picked Susan Rice, but Susan Rice don't got the juice that's needed to galvanize voters in the campaign. Kamala is a skilled debater. She has over 30 years of legislation and criminal and law experience. The lady is qualified for the job. Mm-hmm. Oh, a bitch does its own work. But uh, <laughs> I'm just sitting here, just like continue. We're like, and the, the gag is that we're Canadian. Like, you have to understand the the gag about what is going on in America right now is that we're Canadian, and I feel like we're going through it, and we're really it's. You know, Canada has, we've got our own skeletons in the closet. We have our own things that we have to deal with. But we are so wrapped up in American politics right now. It's like looking at our, our older sibling, our big brother, and being like, what's he going to do? What is he going to do? <laughs> and how is it going to trickle up to us? What is going to happen? It's so, but yeah, the way you the way you speak about it. And, and again, and of course, you know, at the end of the podcast, we're going to definitely make sure you give a nice clean plug so that everyone can check you out. But the videos that I saw and the things that you were saying, I could listen to you talk about politics about a country I don't even live in for hours. <laughs> <laughs> so insightful. So insightful. <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about the bleeding. Let's talk about the bleeding. So with everything going on right now and with all the racial injustices that are going on in the states and everywhere. I mean, can we at this point can we say in the states because I'm pretty sure it's everywhere. Um right. What like from us looking looking down at y'all and seeing what's going on and seeing what you're going through and and knowing the the stuff that we have to deal with and and we've got our own racial injustice that we have to address and sometimes i think canadians get a little bit like well not in canada well really talk to your friends cuz it cuz it does happen here how how is it being like what is going on right now the protests uh, you know they they reach their pivotal point they're still going on there's still so much that the media is not reporting what is it like for you right now 
Um, I feel like I was born in the 80s. Um, and this is going to be a whole fucking dissertation. But <laughs> I was born in the 80s. I was born in the MTV generation. I was also born in the era. I was born in the 80s, raised in the 90s, born in a time where we were being sold an image and a lifestyle of, as especially as Black people, things were different. We had a robust Black cinema movement with Spike Lee. And I got to set this scene for you to, to mm-hmm. make I you understand it. how we got it. Set it. We had, you know, the Spike Lee phenomenon, UPN. Black children were going to college at, at, at high rates because of a different world and different United Negro College Fund, okay? Graduating, going into corporate jobs. The biggest thing we had to talk about was the president getting a blowjob in the office, you know? Yeah. yeah. It was the height of Britney Spears and boy bands and Destiny's Child and Hype Williams videos and FUBU. <laughs> um, so we were sold a life that for my generation, which is half analog, half digital, we saw the end of the analog world and the very beginning of the new age digital world. So we are constantly, at least this my age, and we're not talking about Generation Z, because I'm actually a millennial. Generation Z are the kids that were born in like the 2000s. We're actually coming to grips with the fact that even from a music perspective, you're not gonna sell 5 million physical copies like you wanted to. You're not going to have your making the video world premiere on TRL that you (laughs) dreamed about, okay? Oh, man, yeah. You are living in a landscape that is unprecedented. You are actually living in a piece of history that mirrors your grandparents. Right. Which is slightly traumatic because you thought that you would never have to live in that time. Because this, this era, my era, was sold a lifestyle and a dream. Yep. Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know. And now you find my generation angry because they're watching the life that they were trained to live disintegrate before their very eyes. Whew. Whew. It's very th- those words run so, so, so deep for our generation. It's so true. You know, you're watching. You, you, you're not sure if, you know, you're going to have that big corner office. You never thought that you would have to file for unemployment. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it's, it's very traumatic. And I think it's a piece of trauma that the generation have, hasn't even realized that they need to unpack. Yeah. Whew. I think we're going to suffer from the repercussions of this for a long time. Yeah. You're going to see a lot in a lot of millennials are depressed and they're seeking therapy. And one thing that they, that I think therapists are not diagnosing is generational trauma, world trauma, and how it's affecting this particular era of people. There's something that I say sometimes Um, And I call it pre-apocalyptic trauma. Mm -hmm. It's like before the shit is about to hit the fan to the umpteenth degree, we are dealing with this layer of anxiety waiting for the end to come almost. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, Maybe that's just my personal experience, but (laughs) I really feel like it's a very common experience across our generation. I think it's it's real because we have lived already through so many things it started with september 11th at least in the states Mm -hmm. you know being in high school and living through a terrorist attack yeah seeing the housing market crisis yeah Mm -hmm. go down then we got that little bright spot of seeing the first black president but then 
having to come to grips with the fact that he was really ineffective because he couldn't do anything because he didn't have the other branches of government to support his legislation. Yeah. So he could have signed executive orders, but as a first black president in office and to keep the integrity of the House and the Senate, is that a good look to override that those branches of government? Right. So you got to see that start and essentially to, to a certain degree fail. So that was a blow. And then to come out of that into a current president who basically acts like Bull Connor and to see his constituents and his, his staff totally disregard your rights, your existence right before your eyes and you are now realizing that it's really nothing you can do about it, but maybe vote. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good step. It's... That's it. I won't we I ain't gonna take out the church. I'm, we... I'm like Look. you're writing a book here. Yeah. I, I thought this was I thought this was an interview. I didn't know this was you writing a book. Um <laughs> You know, before before we move on to our next topic, though, I just want to say, you know, the point that you made about, you know, you could vote. Um, I heard through the grapevine that somebody is going to be taking a bigger role in the election that you are going to be working it, if I am not mistaken. Yes, I am uh, signed up to be an election judge um, and poll worker in my city of Baltimore. So on election day, I will be because a lot of our seniors um, due to COVID-19, they're, they're not sure they need help um, with election poll workers because the seniors don't want to put themselves at risk because usually in America, those are the ones that's usually working the polls. Mm-hmm. But with COVID, you don't want them getting sick. And I know in my state and in my city, we've been missing like 14,000 poll workers or something like that. Um, so I said, let me go ahead and step up to the plate because even though they're going to be doing a lot of mail voting, there's already a conspiracy with that. Um, the Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy, who is a um, huge Republican fundraiser and um, colleague of Donald Trump, has already done some things with the Postal Service where people are not getting mail for two weeks at a time. I just saw on the news here in Parkville where people were lined up outside the post office because they hadn't got mail in two weeks. And wow. then you had the postal carriers and the management saying, guys, it's really not us. We're really not behind. Like, they're really, this is what's happening. Right. They've cut their overtime. Like, it's a mess. That that's, sounds crazy. See, and that's and that's the thing, right? Like, the, that's what's so honorable about you taking that step and you thinking like that is... I do think, and I know even myself, when I look at, you know, where we live, it's like you say to yourself, you know, uh, some people say, what's my vote going to matter? But at the end of the day, you can vote or you can open up Google and you can figure out other ways that you can get involved because it might be a lot more simple than what you think. And if everybody just if everybody did this, how much would that be? And and that's what you did. And that was what I found so fascinating when I when I saw that, I was like, mm, mm, mm. Teach the children to get involved. Talking about your hometown, we always do a segment called Location Situation. And basically, as queer people, when we talk to other people in our community, we want to hear where you live and why you think we should move there. So hit us with it. Hit us with it. Okay, cute. So I live, of course, in Baltimore City. I live in an area which is called Station North, which is right next to Penn Station, which is the train station that takes you everywhere across the country. Um, I love this neighborhood. It's right next to Remington, um, not too far from Hamden, downtown Mount Vernon. I love this neighborhood because it's eclectic. Um, there's a mixture, young, old, a lot of young professionals, young urban professionals. Um, it's incredibly diverse culturally. Um, and a lot of my friends live here. And it's home to the Charles Theater, which is where I go to see all my Oscar-worthy uh, films, all the indie films that make zero money, but get all of the nominations. Nice. Um, <laughs> and also, too, it's not too far from this club called The Crown that I absolutely love. Um, like I was saying earlier, they had this party version 
um, that they host, that chaotic intro host. And um, it's just fun. It's vibrant. Uh, we have great food here. You haven't lived until you've had a Baltimore snowball with mm -hmm. the marshmallow in the middle and on the top. You got to make sure you get egg custard. That's the mm -hmm. flavor. Egg mm -hmm. custard. Or even skylight. Okay. <laughs> but egg custard, that's the signature. You got to get that with the juice dripping to the bottom of the cup. It's a whole diabetes situation, but it's the best thing ever. Nice. Um, also, too, you haven't lived until you've had authentic Chesapeake Bay crabs. We are a crab city. Crabs in the summertime, we buy them by the bushel. Okay. Mm. And I'm I am very like a crab feast in Baltimore is like no other with your crabs and your beer and you just sitting there throwing there. We I could eat about two dozen by myself in a set. And you just learn you. you learn how to crack them open. Mm. It, it's a skill. Get you a nice chicken box sometimes, four wings and fries, fried hard, salt, pepper, ketchup <laughs> with a half and half. So yeah, it's like, and I'm, I also too about the crabs, even if I'm making crab cakes, cause that's a thing, a, a thing we eat a lot of in the summer. I am very snub, snooty about my crab meat. If it's not from the Chesapeake Bay or at the furthest North Carolina, I don't want it. I don't want nothing <laughs> from imported from um, Indonesia, the South of China. No, I need it. Cause Chesapeake Bay crab meat has a very specific taste. It's okay. more sweet. It's just, I need it. Mm. <laughs> Apparently right. so do we. Apparently so do we. Yes. Okay. So let's get into asking all the questions, all things DDM. So I really want to talk right off the top about your uh, music career and how you got into it. How did that start for you? Oh, uh, this old man. Oh, my God. So um, I started rapping um, probably around... Junior year of high school, um, I started rapping, doing like little battles on the black top. And then I started going to the local clubs. Um, Baltimore has a real intense, well, at least used to, had a real intense battle culture. So before um, YouTube, because I started in back, but now I'm really telling my age, in 2004, 2005, um, so that was pre-YouTube, that was pre-TikTok, Instagram, all of that. So you had to actually physically go to venues. You had to actually hand out flyers for your little funky-ass show. But um, I did a lot of battles. I won a lot of battles. I lost some, but I won a lot. Um, the ciphers. Then um, I started uh, developing as an artist. Um, I learned through osmosis. So a lot of things I have to hear, absorb it, live it. Um, I started really studying my craft, growing. I came out in like 2000, I want to say 2012-ish, somewhere around there. Um, and then the whole city threw me away as far as the rap community. It was like, oh, your career's over. You're never going to do it. And then fast forward, you know what? We really fuck with you. You know, mm. so time... <laughs> So time, mm. time has proven to have me on the right side of history and ahead of the curve. Um, I put out what, I put out singles here and there, but nothing like super serious. And then um, I finally put out Beautiful Gowns. I was ready to do that. I put out Beautiful Gowns in 2019. Um, and that did really good for me. Um, it's caught the attention of, uh, some celebrities, Ari Lennox, retweeted me and, you know, showed my video on her Instagram and all. That was nice. That finally got me my check, my verified check. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it's gotten a great perception. And I think the community has been finding me. I think my story is a story of grassroots. Um, I've always treated my career like a politician, especially now. Mm -hmm. um i could i've never been the sex artist and there's nothing wrong with that but i've always strived to um showcase um especially inner city black queer life in a nuanced way mm -hmm. um with depth 
in range, which is something that um, with every release that I put out, I try to express. That's awesome. And going back to what you were saying with, uh, you know, once you came out after you had your career kind of going and then there was this like, I guess, a response from your community, not a very positive response. How are you able to curb that? What was what was the things what are the things that kind of got you to keep going and and kick through it? Um. I just knew I wanted to do it. I knew that I've always been ahead um, and I try to stay ahead. And um, mm. when the like hardcore rap community, the real rap community, um, you know, said, you know, hey, we're not really with the shits. Um, I had a friend, um, Adam Schwartz, um, who uh, lived in Baltimore. He lives in Los Angeles now. And he really liked my stuff. We had worked together on a record, so a few records. And uh, he was like, come on. And he started bringing me to DIY parties and like underground parties and would get me performed there. Adam was actually the first person that started to get me paid to perform. Now with battles, you win prize money, but they typically don't pay the rappers at these clubs to perform at least when I first started. And then when I went with Adam, um, Schwartz, uh, I started getting paid for shows and he, he started putting a value on what I do. And, you know, now it's like, I'm famous for what's your budget? That's the one <laughs> depending on what, what kind of elements I'm going to bring to this event. Because with right. my shows, I, um, I always wanted to be a production. I always wanted to be a certain, have a certain gravitas, but that gravitas costs grab money. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much what kept me going. I'll always love Adam for that. Adam Steele is a is a great um, friend of mine and supporter, and I'll always own for that. It's it's incredible, and you know, I've I I said this to you off air, but I'm gonna say it again. And for anyone watching or listening, however you're consuming this content, we put on your music to hear some music. Instead, we got educated, we got schooled, we got taken back, we got uh, pretty much every emotion. When I say, if you could just picture the two of us driving, mouths open, like, just like, I don't even think we were, I don't even think we were nodding our heads to your music because I don't think my soul knew what was happening. (laughs) But, and, and I use this example because it was the first thing, like I go back to being young and, and, you know, playing Sega Genesis and listening to my brother and his friends and they're playing, you know, Wu-Tang and they're playing to Cal and they're playing all these rap albums and Busta and, I loved the music, and when you're a young little gay white boy, your exposure to rap and how you interact with that is very complicated, as I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, your music was exactly what was me- like. I don't, I don't know if you've just you've been in the game for a while. I just hope you remember if if everyone around you is not reminding you every day that your music literally. It, it helps people, it educates, it inspires, it makes people want to get funky. Like some of your songs, one minute I'm jamming, the next minute I'm like holding back tears for no, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm I'm, I'm about to cry. I, I'm not a rapper in Baltimore. But the things that you said and, and some of the lines that you dropped, we were just like, what is this? What is this? How dare he? How dare he do that? Such, yeah, such good music. Honestly, and people around you should be reminding you that at all times, and if they're not, you're hanging around the wrong people. Tell you that. (laughs) Thank you. Um, It's interesting with Ballad of Omar, Ballad of Omar, which is the record I think you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the second EP that I put out this year. I put out one EP this year. I'm sorry. Um, to follow up Beautiful Gowns. And yes, I put it out during the pandemic, but I was like, I want to just keep my brand awareness there. And also too, because people were home for that type of project, people can digest that inside. Yeah. Um, versus Beautiful Gowns, that lends itself to stage shows outside that whole piece. And um, with Ballad of Omar, I really wanted to put my life and perspective on records in a very cinematic way, in a very nuanced way, and in a very um, a 
given a different perspective um, of the, 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 the guys that I know, the butch queens that I would see going to balls or going to Joanne's or things like that. It's, it's very specific. I think we don't really discuss. I think the um, inner city black butch queens, black gay men are very much a caricature in the zeitgeist of queer representation, okay? And when I set to make this project, my biggest goal was to humanize that section of people mm -hmm. and really bring the drama, the intrigue, the frustration, the angst, the heartbreak to the record, you know? So, yeah. I, I love it. And it's like I was listening to Supernova. I was jamming to Supernova, then closed, closed for some reason. Closed just sits right here. Like, I, I think I've played that song over and over and over. He say, she say. Mm. He say, she say. Can we just talk about he say, she mm. say really quickly? Mm. Yes. That song came on in the car when we, like, when we first started playing your music and just kind of trying to get the, the flow of it all. This comes on and we're just bopping, first of all. And then you say a line. I had to write it down because I have to say it back to our audience so they can hear this <laughs> lyrical genius. Got a cake baking for all you ugly bitches. And when I say bitches, that's gender non-specific. <laughs> Listen, I know for you probably, I mean, I'm sure you know it's genius. But for someone from the community listening to a rapper hit a track that hard that well with a bop like that i was just my my head exploded i was like this is amazing and i was like of course it's coming from someone from our community that understands what the hell that means and knows how to play with the words in a way that's respectful but also like I'm a dig at you right now. It was, I loved it. And the song in general, just blocking out all the haters. I love the message around it. And it's like, honestly, I can't say any more congratulations outside of just like, I wish I could expose you for as much as I can. Y'all like, are sleeping. Everyone is sleeping on DDM. I'm telling you, yeah. you're sleeping. I think it's one of the things like going back to what Rob was saying you know, when we were listening to your music, I a part of me got frustrated because I was, you know, I, I said it at, on Will Sheridan when we interviewed Will as well, that, you know, the music that are, that's around me and what we're raised with is not the music for our that, that, that doesn't really properly speak to our voices. And, you know, we're now only now in the pop culture world getting a few people. You got like Sam Smith, Troy Sivan. There is an underlying obvious tone to that, and it is the color of their skin. You know, that is something that is not really resonant for POCs, by POCs. And I think that even in that rap culture, you're, I've never heard anything <laughs> like what you do. So I'm either very heavily underexposed, which is probably true. But also, um, you know, it was just a refreshing breath of air to hear your music and to feel it resound so heavily um, just based on the fact that, you know, you're talking about sexuality. You're talking about the stuff that rappers would talk about, but you're talking about it with an angle and a viewpoint that we can understand, you know. So I, just, I love it for that. No, I, I really appreciate that. And it's been a battle. It's been a fight because you're fighting against, um, especially in the music business, um, straight, the, the music business just does not know how to market or expose um, gay black people, gay black men specifically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, they just don't. Um, and, you know, I've, I've made this project, I've had meetings with record labels, like majors, and they always give me excuses. Like they'll take the, they, they, we have the meeting and then they say, well, you want to do this? Like when I presented Beautiful Gowns, the argument was, well, we really want you to rap, rap. 
So I presented Battle of Omar, and it was just like crickets. I guess they didn't have nothing for that. Now working on my follow-up, Life on Sale, for 2021, because right now I'm uh, writing the soundtrack for when the world opens. And that's, I never make the same project twice. So Beautiful Gowns does not sound like The Ballad of Omar. The Ballad of Omar will not sound like Life on Sale. But one thing, and this is an Easter egg I want to give people, you can always tell the direction that the next project is going in by the last song on the previous project. Uh-huh. If you play close at the end of Beautiful Gowns, it seamlessly segues into the opening of Ballad of Omar. I'm, I, wow. I'm, 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 I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Because <laughs> if you notice, Close, if you go back and listen to Close, it sounds like it could be on a Ballad of Omar. Wow. And Take that, Lady Gaga. How's that for a transition? <laughs> the last song on um, Ballad of Omar, which has that live instrumentation, sex feel. Wow. Wow. Life on sale. It'll transition well into that. I am putting out a single, um, what's today? Next week, next Friday, um, called Stop My Bag. It's a one-off single. Um, It's coming out through this indie label based in uh, Los Angeles, Molly House. Um, So they're going to put that single out. Um, I may do a visual for that just to close out the year before I do my big launch for my next full length. Um, but wow. the video, like if I do a visual, it has to be like on visual, okay? <laughs> I can't so, dude, I, I can't give much away and I don't like to really speak much on things until they're actually done. But the next visual is very cinematic and it is, I will say this, it is Quentin Tarantino meets Boys in the Hood. Oh, that is a preview. <laughs> To, to leave it. us with. Wow. You heard it here, right yeah. here. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. So exciting. That's so exciting. That, listen, like I said, if you're listening, if you're watching, you're going to go stream these albums. I'm telling you, you will be mind blown and you will, you'll feel embarrassed. This is the thing. Anyone who goes and listens to your music right now is going to want to message you and apologize. Because that's what we felt. I felt like I needed to apologize that it's taken us this long to get to you. Um, but thank you for all the future car rides I'm going to have. Because I really, we needed a new soundtrack. And uh, congrats, honestly congratulations and to anyone you know who's maybe not a part of the community that doesn't understand how big this is what you are doing is not handed on a platter it is not easy it is not the dream that was sold in the sense that we always thought we were exempt from that it was always we learned to sing songs about love between a man and a woman and we learned to make them relate to us. So when an artist comes along and lives unapologetically, speaks to politics and isn't afraid to stand up to people and then comes along and drops music that does the work for us so that we can simply enjoy it and we don't have to translate it into this somewhat relatable uh, discounted version of it. We stand all day, all night. Truly. Thank you. So now I think we need to put you in the hot seat and ask you some. You said you're a pop culture enthusiast. I am. So I think we should ask you some mindless questions to end off on a funny note so that we can get to know you a little bit better. So are you ready? Okay. I'm I'm ready. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Yeah, you go ahead. Okay. Okay. Let's, Let's start off easy. Let's start off easy. Okay. Favorite show to binge watch? Shit. <laughs> a lot of them shit. Um, I gotta pick one. Or or your current favorite one. Okay, so Umbrella Academy. Okay. Uh Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Work. And probably P Valley. Valley. Oh, okay, okay. okay. I, that one I don't know. That one I don't know. But we'll check. She's that a out. new girl. She's on Stars. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, best track of all time. I know that's a hard one, but 
give me give me the essence of DDM in this track. Best track of like by somebody that I liked. Yeah. Oh my god! Something, something that you feel like kind of defines you. It could be an old school track. It could be anything. Best track ever. Um, up on the hill, people never change. Okay, I'm gonna go with Steely Dan, Asia. Okay, okay, okay. Right on. Mm-hmm. So, con- continuing with that thought process, album. Best album or legendary album that you feel that we should know that you love? Um, I have quite a collection. Um, <laughs> best album ever. Shit. Um, fuck. Okay, I'm going to go so with Stevie. Hard. I'm going to go with Stevie because I love Stevie. Um, can I pick two? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, so we're going to go with Stevie Wonder's Talking Book and Elton John Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Very good. I Very like that. I like that. Break. I like I that. I like that a lot. Um, one of the things that uh, Will shared with us was like some of the slang that he knows locally and even in New York he was mentioning. So I'm going to ask you the same question. What are some of the big hot slang pieces in your area what is it something that you love using right now we always want to kind of pick up on the, the baltimore word that we should use dummy like that's, <laughs> that's like that's the that's the slang word yo what's up dummy and it's not even derogatory like what's up dummy fuck it is dummy <laughs> that is the best i love that you drag me yeah, like, yeah, you like, like, she dragging away your whores. Like, yeah. So, yeah, um, and whores, like, whores is like an official Baltimore city. Like, use a whole whore. That's a phrase. Like, so if you say, if, if like a Baltimore person be like, use a whole whore, yo, like, that is like such a like smack in the face. Like, use a whole whore, you know, like, like, yeah. Yeah. That's that's amazing. You need to do. I'm telling you, you need to do like TikTok audios and just like record them so everyone can just peer, like literally. Fuck okay. it is, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, I got one for you. Let's say all of a sudden you had every single person's phone number in your phone. Give me one artist that you really want to collaborate with. See, I'm thinking strategy and or what's best for the record. <laughs> okay, okay. See, I'm going to, I have to choose, like, wish list, like, a, 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 um, somebody that I always wanted to do a record with would probably be, um, I want to say it's a tie between um, Diana Ross and, and Kim. Ooh, amazing! Ooh. Could you hear? Could you? Could I you hear oh, that? Okay. Could you hear? I, can hear I would. That. Mm. From a strategical standpoint, right now, um, probably, I want to say, City Girls and Flo Millie. All right, there we go. There we go. So, so when your when your track drops with one of them, we're gonna remember this. Yeah, moment. I'm gonna circle back with you, and I'm gonna be like, "Look <laughs> at you now! Look at yes. you now! I'm telling you!" Right on. All right, you have been amazing, but we only got one more important thing that we got to do before we let you go. Okay. It is time for you to tell us, friend of a friend. So, because we believe we all know each other somehow through a friend of a friend. Who do you think the next person that we need to talk to is? Chaotic Couture. Chaotic, Chaotic Couture. Couture. Tell us about Chaotic. Um, Chaotic Couture actually hosts the party that I love to go to version. Um, uh, they are amazing. Um, non-binary. Um, edgy, sweet, talented, multi-talented. And we're in our same nail club. So, and, and I know it's on like TV, like now, everybody's getting their nails done, but we've been getting a nasty acrylic, okay? Amazing. Point, <laughs> stiletto. 
It must be Shaw. <laughs> always stiletto. Yeah. Um, always. Inspiring. Like, I always get like the 3D edge. Chaotic always get this super long, sharp stiletto. But yeah. <laughs> I, I, I live for the nails. I was a queen for 10 years. That was my favorite part was when I was able to throw on acrylics. I always had to be stiletto, always. always. Every now and then I would just, I, I like the jewelry on my uh, index fingers, maybe a big bow or something like that. But, and then the thing with me is the reason why I can never have nails now is when I have nails, everything I say has a, I do not know how to put my hand down. So if you ask me a simple question, it's, I can't stop. So that's why I gotta, I'll be cutting people up. So that's why I can't have nails right now. But respect for the nails. Chaotic, we are going to be coming for you. I am so looking forward to yeah. meeting this uh, beautiful, I can already tell they're probably multifaceted. Like I said, they're deep, they're good looking. I know how y'all roll. Y'all know each other like this. So we are looking forward to it. And uh, truly, this is going to be so exciting. Yes. And- and that is the end of the podcast with you, DDM. It has been uh-huh. a true pleasure and honor. I'm so happy we got to have you. Thank you, circling back to Will Sheridan, for referring us to you. Uh, like, so grateful to have had this conversation with you. So grateful to have been exposed to your music. Um, and I hope, n- I wish nothing but the best and nothing but success in the future. Super looking forward to that next album, Life on Sale. I know that the, we're not going to push it, but we'll just little tease. Um, and also everybody check out the, uh, his other albums, The Life of Omar, as well as um, Balk. Sorry, gown. Beautiful gown. Beautiful gown. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know why I blanked. I was like, yeah, yeah. And we always like to give a chance. So just to give a nice clean plug so that all of our listeners and viewers and everybody knows exactly where to find you because you trust me, you don't want to miss this. Let everybody know where they can reach you. You can reach me on pretty much all social media platforms at Dapper Dan Midas. That's Twitter. Um Instagram, Cash App, Venmo. Um, <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Dapper Dan Midas. Also, you can um, look at my political commentary and videos on YouTube.com slash Secretary of Shade. We are at pretty much 20,000 subscribers now. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been going for about two years. Um, so, yeah, you can reach me there as well. Awesome. Everybody go comment, like, subscribe, ring the bell. Do not miss a single video that this beautiful individual puts out. Stream that music. Check out DDM. And I truly can say we cannot wait to see what comes next. You have been such a pleasure. And Chaotic, we're going to be hitting you up soon. Awesome. Thanks again, DDM. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you guys are checking us out on all of our socials as well. Instagram at Boyfriends Who Banter, Twitter at Boys Who Banter, and you can check us out on YouTube and all podcasting channels, including Spotify and iTunes. Like, comment, and subscribe. Ring that bell to get notifications on our new content. If there's anything that we said that got you excited, that you want to comment on, something that got you angry or made you more curious, make sure you DM us and comment or email us at boyfriendswhobanter at gmail.com. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.